The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me. In the presence of my enemies, you anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Thanks, Nan. Well, good morning, Shore Church. <clears throat> this, thank you for the two that responded to that. It is, a, it, is a great, it is a great joy of mine to be here with you. As you know, I have just been commissioned to be your lead pastor, which is uh, overwhelming to say the least, uh, but uh, very excited uh, to be on this journey with you as the Shore Church and, and your lead pastor. Uh, God has done a miracle and a work in my heart to, and it, it is to fall in love with this church and he has done so. I have literally over these last couple of weeks for sure have literally fallen in love with this ministry and the people in it and it's been a joy to get to know you and uh, I'm looking forward to the journey ahead. Much of my confidence in this task actually comes from the text that was just read by Leanne. The text is a familiar one to many outside the church, but also to inside the church. Uh, psalm 23 uh, is probably one of, if not the most popular psalm out of the 150. Uh, as many of you know, it was written by David, the shepherd turned king, and God himself claimed him to be the apple of his eye in Psalm 17 verse 8. It was written by David, the shepherd turned king, the one that God did claim this, but in fact, David is the author of 75 of the 150. David wasn't only known as a writer, <clears throat> but one of the greatest kings of Israel. He was a warrior, a musician, a poet, the slayer of Goliath, and as a shepherd boy, we see in, in Samuel that he killed a bear and a, and a lion with his bare hands. David was also tender-hearted, playing music for Saul, helping him go to sleep when he felt tormented. He was the original sleep app that you might have on your phone. But can you imagine like someone sitting in your room playing the harp, just slaying those notes, but moments later he was slaying thousands in war. If you were going to choose a character in the Bible to emulate, David would be probably one of those top on the list but he also had a very ugly past while serving as king. He lied, stole, pre pretended to be mentally unstable. He actually had one of his warriors killed because he had slept with his wife and impregnated her. This is the human author of Psalm 23. And I say human author because in 2 uh, Timothy 3 verse 16, we see all scripture is actually breathed out by God. This means God wants us to get to know David, his ugly past and his uh, amazing accomplishments here on this world. And God providentially chose David to write this psalm. But this psalm has another character in it as well. The psalm has David, but also another character, and that is the Lord. 
And as long as the Lord has me in the local church, I'll be introducing to you, proclaiming, pointing towards, and trust me on this, we will not get to the end of it as we will need an eternity to know who this Lord is. So before I get to the Lord and introduce him as I've introduced David, what is the message of this psalm? Like what is the message of this psalm? And, and I would believe the message is the why behind our mission as the church here at the shore. Our mission is to be and to make Jesus known. To make Jesus known. So family, covenant members of this ministry, there's many family and friends. We all have the same haircut, so you can see who they are. You probably have a similar mission in your church and in your ministry if you attend another ministry. Whether it be to go and make disciples of all nations, it's about making Jesus known. And this psalm is no different. So remnant of the shore, you are here today sitting before a holy God and making a covenant to fulfill this mission, to live out this mission, to make Jesus known in your lives. That is our mission, and this is the message of Psalm 23, and I'm going to explain that over the next little while. But the reason I am saying that this passage points to the mission of making Jesus known is because all of Scripture points to making Jesus known. We see Jesus himself said to the road, uh, or on the road to Emmaus after his resurrection in Luke 24, 27, that all the books of Moses and all the prophets point to him. So in other words, if I or any other stand behind this pulpit and behind this word of God and preach anything but Jesus, begin to ask questions. So before I get too far, let me pray and then we'll read this psalm together again and unpack it one verse at a time. Let me pray. Oh Jesus, uh, may we be faithful to making your name known. Help us, Lord, fill us with your spirit and guide our thoughts and our mind and in our hearts. Help us be conduits of your grace to other people, to our friends and our neighbors. And help, help us love them enough to share about you. To live as an evangelist. Help us stop hating our neighbors because we're not telling them about Jesus. So Lord, as we walk through this text, help us see all the things you satisfy us in. In Jesus we pray, amen. Well, if you haven't already, please turn your Bibles to Psalm 23. We're going to be in there. And if you are new here, if you don't have a Bible, there are Bibles at the Welcome Center. So please go grab one. That is our gift to you. So let me read Psalm 23 again. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, and my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This is the word of the Lord. These six verses that we just read hold a depth that we will not fully mine today. 
six verses, and we will not get through them today. Let me give you an example why. It starts with the Lord. I just said there's no way we can comprehend the Lord. It's going to take eternity. And so to think we can get through this six verses really quickly, we're, we're kidding ourselves. But in this first, I don't, so I'm doing my best to scrape the surface. In the, in the first five words, we learn so much. The Lord is my shepherd. I mentioned earlier that there was another character other than David in this psalm. David is the writer amongst the other things I already mentioned. But the Lord is the main character of this psalm in, in his created universe and beyond. So the psalm opens with the Lord in all caps. This is referring to Yahweh, the supreme being, the creator and ruler of all that is, the self-existent one who is perfect in power, perfect in goodness, and perfect in wisdom. If we miss this, we actually might be in rebellion. So if you're not praising the Lord, you might actually be in rebellion because in Psalm 50 verse 21, it says, you thought I was altogether like you. So if you think you know God, then you're gravely mistaken. He is different. He is supreme. He is altogether holy. In his nature, God is spirit by nature intelligible, intangible, John 4, 24. God is one, but he exists as three persons. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, Matthew 3, 16 through 17. God is infinite, 1 Timothy 1, 17. Incomparable, 2 Samuel 7, 22. And unchanging, Malachi 3, 6. God exists everywhere, Psalm 139, 7 through 12. Knows everything, Psalm 147, 5. Isaiah 40. 28 and has all power and authority Ephesians 1 and Revelation 19:6 That's just some of his nature. Let me give you some of his character. God is just Acts 17:31, loving Ephesians 2:4 through 5, truthful John 14:6, holy 1 John 1:5. 1, God shows compassion 2 Corinthians 1:3, mercy Romans 9:15 and grace Romans 5:17. God judges sin Psalm 5:5, 5, 5, but also offers forgiveness Psalm 130 verse 4 and many other texts like 1 John 1:9. 1, then we cannot understand God apart from his works because what God does flows from within him of who he is. So God created the world, Genesis 1.1, Isaiah 42.5. He actively sustains the world, Colossians 1.17. He is executing his eternal plan, Ephesians 1.11, which involves the redemption of man from the curse of sin and death, Galatians 3.13-14. He draws people to Christ, John 6, he disciplines his children, Hebrews 12, 6, and he will judge the world, Revelation 20, verses 11 through 15. Friends and visitors, this is merely a snapshot of the Lord. David also refers to him as shepherd in this text. This too is a great title. David recognizes his position before a holy God. He's merely a sheep on his all eternal creation, merely a sheep. He recognizes his position. I'm not sure you realize, but we all strive to position ourselves. Like as you walk through that door, I would venture a guess, and I think I'd probably be 99.9% right, that we positioned ourselves as we walked through that door. You began to evaluate the room. You looked at who you want to sit beside, 
who you want to shake hands with, who you don't want to shake hands with, who you want to talk to, who you don't want to talk to, and how you got here, how, how you drove, who you cut off. You are evaluating everything around you. It's everywhere. And our first response oftentimes is pride. It's not humility. So when we're constantly evaluating, it's an evaluation of a prideful heart and not humility. And we strive constantly to position ourselves in these things. But in this text, we also see David's humility in this. Referring to himself as the sheep, not the shepherd. He's evaluating his relationship before a holy God and he goes, I'm a sheep. And this is interesting to say the least, right? David was a shepherd, as I said. So he knows that sheep are essentially nature's snack, right? They have nothing in, the, in and amongst themselves to actually protect themselves. They have nothing in them. By David humbling himself to sheep status, this should awaken us to the power struggle that we have between one another, but also that we have between us and God. There's a constant wrestle and struggle and David rightly in this text, the Lord is my shepherd, humbles himself. We too often think more of ourselves than we ought. We just went through the Beatitudes of Matthew 5 just this last couple weeks and we're just recently reminded of the fact that it is the poor in spirit, the meek, the merciful, and the pure in heart that are blessed. How's that been going? We just finished that last week. Have you been practicing it? I know I didn't think about it because I was too busy evaluating the things around me. We need to start practicing these things. We need to take cues from David here, humbling himself to the chief shepherd. See, I really want us to grab this idea of humility because this is a massive part of our calling as Christ followers. If you ever have asked God with anger, like frustration or bitterness, the why question, I want you to see that you are essentially elevating yourself over the Lord because you think you can actually understand what his answer is going to be. Like you, an individual that only sees as far as the next millisecond forward and maybe you know what's going to happen but I doubt it the next millisecond and you just we're already in the past because I just said past and that's already in the past and that past is already in the past but God is the alpha and the omega the beginning and the end and you think you know what he's going to and how he's going to answer and you think you're going to convince him Let me tell you, you can't understand the inner workings of the Lord, but we can, we can trust him. We can abide in him and in his word, and we can obey him. Just like David in the psalm, the Lord is my shepherd. So quickly we get introduced to the two characters of this psalm, David and the Lord, and David rightly humbles himself. The next line is a really interesting one. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. This begs the question, David, what do you not want? Like, what do you not want? That's an interesting question, right? But the thing is, I want to key in on is the want statement. 
Anytime you say want, you need to, or hear someone say, I want, you need to listen. Allow your ears to be awakened and be quick to listen because what you're going to hear is the causal core of their heart, the causal core of their personhood and their heart. I want fill in the blank. You're hearing the motive of what's going on inside of them. In, in Matthew 12, 34, it says, for out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so you actually, see, when someone speaks, I want fill in the blank, you're hearing the motive of what's going on in the heart. But you're not only hearing the motive of the heart, you're seeing the actions physically, physical actions that are going on around them. And in verses uh, 18 of 15, chapter 15 of Matthew, it says, what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart and this defiles a person. And then in verse 19, it says, out of the heart come evil thoughts, Murder, idolatry, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, and slander. The causal core of the personhood, I want and I will respond with my actions in my voice uh, and you will see what is going on inside of me. So when someone says I want and they fill in that blank, you are listening to their heart. And David in this first verse says, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Are you getting this? These are indicatives and imperatives. There's one indicative, the Lord. The imperative is, I shall not want. It's a living out. The indicative is the power. The imperative is the living that power out. And my, my prayer for us as a church is that we will learn how to read our scripture, looking for those indicatives and imperatives in the scripture, looking for the power that we might be able to live out of that power. The Lord is the power that I shall not want is the imperative. So we have the Lord and we have the shall not want. So being the action and imperative. In other words, because the self-existent eternal God is with us and for us, what in this world could we ever be worried over? The Lord is my shepherd. What are we concerned about? The Lord is my shepherd. What are we worried over? The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. See, Paul in Romans chapter 8 actually is saying the same thing thousands of years later. He says in Romans 8, 31 through 35, if God is for us, who in the world can be against us? Amen? I shall not want. He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously, see that, give us all things? I shall not want. Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? I shall not want. It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn me? Christ Jesus is the one who died, more than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? And it goes on to say, no, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. We have more verses to hit, but as we enter into verses two through six, there's a shift that happens, All right? So the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Think of that like as the title. And then David goes into five areas that we all share 
And he begins to unpack the satisfaction that we have in the shepherd. So there's going to be five things that we're going to hit. The first of the five satisfactions David hits in the psalm is probably one of the hardest. Let me read the verse again. It says, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. The first of the five is hardest to let go of. It's physical satisfaction, but it is the beginning. You need to start letting the physical satisfaction, you need to let that go. This psalm is not only speaking of food and drink, pastures and going to the river, but in this case, the physical protection of you, his sheep. Our shepherd takes us to green pastures and still waters. Yes, that that sounds good. But this isn't just some food and drink, but refers to a deep care for you as his. In essence, the shepherd is taking you to his home. You see, pasture can also be translated as home or habitation in the original text. And we see Jesus pick this theme up in John 10, 9, when he says, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. Do you see this? Jesus is the gateway to safety. Jesus is the door to physical satisfaction. So friends, this again, this begs the question, where are you going to physical satisfy yourself? Are you going to food? Do you think food is going to do it? I know I ate way too much last night. And for some reason, I'm hungry again. Do you think drink is going to satisfy you? Do you think sex is going to satisfy you? What about possessions? What about a special relationship, as my mom likes to say? Do you have a special friend, Jer? I do have one, Jody. (laughs) You've met her. Uh, Yes, so in a relationship, or is it your gender? Do you think this world is really longing to find identity in something, and they're looking for the physical gratification somewhere, and this will all provide you something? Like it will. It will provide you something. But it will never give you rest or true satisfaction. Just take a look around and see how many people are so hurting because they're longing for the creation rather than the creator. Marriages end in divorce, friendships are lost, families are broken, babies are aborted, lives are destroyed, dysfunction becomes the norm. All seeking the creation rather than the creator. All seeking the physical satisfaction of self rather than looking to the Lord. Your physical satisfaction is only found in Jesus Make this the day you surrender physically to the Lord. It says in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, one of the really popular Proverbs, but it says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. So where do you put your trust first? And we're talking about the heart, the causal core of your identity. Trust in the Lord with all of it. And do not lean on your own understanding because it's very confused. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will then make your, your path straight. So David doesn't stop at the physical, but moves to being spiritually satisfied. In verse 3, it says, he restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. So we have physical satisfaction in this verse. It's spiritually satisfied. 
key on, on restore and pass of righteousness, righteousness, this is bringing back to what was. The shepherd is not just caring for this physical restoration, but the restoration of your soul. Well, again, to understand this fully, you first need to realize how depraved we are. And we've talked about this before. Like, I know I've talked about this here at the shore before. And in Ephesians 2, we're going to hit this in a couple weeks. Uh, but in Ephesians 2, 1, it says that you were dead in the trespasses and sins. In Romans 3.10, I think that's on there as well. No one is righteous, not even one. In 3.23, which is not on there, Romans 3.23, it says, for all have fallen short of the glory of God. Like I was talking with a friend uh, a couple weeks ago and we were sitting for coffee and it was 8, 8 a.m. in the morning and I, we were talking about the depravity of man and I looked at him and I go, oh my goodness, it's 8 a.m. and I've broken the first two commandments already. Love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Eh. Haven't done that at 8 a.m. Have you loved your neighbor with all your heart as Christ loved you? Nope. And we started talking about this depravity and I was like, oh my goodness. Like when we see Jesus face to face, I really truly believe that that is when we're going to actually recognize our weakness. Like when we stand before a holy God, and we're going, oh my goodness, now I understand my weakness. I'm going to see clearly of who he is and who I am. We are wretched. There's nothing within us that can save us. And David in the psalm says, he restores my soul. This is the greatest restoration project ever. Jesus, the great shepherd, takes what was heading towards eternal destruction and restores it to eternal life. But that's not all. He does so through paths of righteousness. So family, this is speaking in terms of legality. The shepherd is legally moving you towards right standing before a holy and self-existent God. The only path of righteousness to travel is the one where you follow, where you follow the true shepherd, where he opens the gate to his home, his pasture. He becomes the gate and he welcomes you in. Several times in God's word, the Lord repeats himself by saying, you shall be my people and I will be your God. He's constantly trying to remind us and get our attention. He is trying to help you see he has the power and the will to make you new. Are you ready for spiritual restoration? This is your starting point. We need to be reading the Bible. We need to be surrendering to him. If you miss the spiritual satisfaction of the Lord, you truly are missing everything. Let's move down to verse four. It says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Let's keep that slide on there for a second. So we're physically satisfied, we're spiritually satisfied. And here in this fourth verse, we are emotionally satisfied. So our feelings at times will take us over. Oftentimes with fear, anxiety, worries, depression, you name it, the world has a description for it. These are very real and tangible feelings that can definitely overwhelm us to the point where we don't want to get out of bed, where we don't actually want to leave the home, and where, where we don't want to see daylight. There are some valleys that many in our world and in this church are facing today. 
Not one of us is immune to them, but hear this, please. Because it isn't something you can catch, but something you are guided in. You cannot catch these things, but you are guided in them. Look at the text again. Even though what? I walk through. Even though I walk through the valley. Even though I am walking through, sometimes by our own choice, but also guided in them by others. But we need to see the indicative of this verse. Remember, the indicative is the power. There's, there's some, a massive indicative here that we need to see. So even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? For you are with me. That's the power. This isn't the first indicative in the scriptures that talks about emotional steadiness in Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. Let's take a look at that together. So Philippians 4, 6, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Church, where's the indicative in that passage? Close. Thank you for answering. I love talking with people. There is no indicative in there. That is what is called a naked imperative. There's two imperatives in there with no power. Don't be anxious. Go and pray. Don't be anxious. How, how would that sound if you said that to your neighbor if they were struggling with anxiety? Hey, just don't be anxious. Go pray some more. Those are some naked imperatives. You know what the coolest thing is? Look at that small do. I have no idea why the translators and the people that put the script, the numbers in, why they put a number in right in the middle of a sentence. Let's put the next one on the slide there. Here's the power. The Lord is at hand. Doesn't that change everything? Don't be anxious. Let's rewind. The Lord is at hand. Don't be anxious. Sounds familiar to our psalm, doesn't it? You are with me. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. See, the indicative changes everything. So even though we will walk through the valleys of death, yes, they will at times feel like death. The truth is the Lord is with you. And for those battling these, these things called panic attacks and anxiety and depression, you are not alone. If you hear vo the voice of someone else or even in your own head because we probably talk to ourselves more than anybody else saying that you're alone that is a lie straight from the pit of hell you are not alone the scriptures are saying that God is with us that the Lord is at hand I also want to add this this is exactly what the church family is for and this is what we're going to do together as the church family on this as I lead this ministry and I do my best to do so to point to Jesus, but I want to do it and have a lot of fun. I also want to add, as the church, it says in 1 Corinthians 12, 26, if one member suffers, all suffer together. There's some people at home right now that are suffering. And I've only been here for a couple weeks. Do we know them? Are we reaching out to them? Are we tapping them on the shoulder? Are we giving them a phone call? Because guess what? They are not here with us gathering and that makes us, that makes me suffer with them. 
So we need to feel that. That if one member suffers, all suffer together. But there's also the end of that verse and it says, if one member is honored, all rejoice together. So we need to rejoice with one another as well. We need to fall in love with seeing each other and being a community together and, and praising Jesus together and not only suffer together, but rejoice together. So not only are we built up as the sufferer, but we too build others up as we celebrate one another in Jesus and in his presence. This is the church. Look at verse five. As I read this verse again, think about your identity in the Lord. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. We have physical satisfaction. We have spiritual satisfaction. We have emotional satisfaction. And our identity is completely satisfied in the Lord. This is the pivotal part of this psalm. David being the sheep of the story just moved from sheep status, being in the pasture to sitting at the table with the Lord of Lords and King of Kings, the table of grace and the table of honor. There are a lot of identity passages in the scripture, but I want to take you again to another one in Galatians 4, 4 through 7. You can see it on the screen. It says, when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are now sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the causal core of our personhood, that out of our mouth might come Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. Sure, in the beginning, Genesis in Adam, with Adam and Eve were created priests of God to have dominion over the land and be fruitful and multiply. Jesus is restoring his eternal plan to again elevate us through his life, death, and resurrection that we might again fulfill our priesthood to the eternal King of kings and Lord of lords. The Lord is my shepherd I shall not want. So we're physically satisfied, spiritually satisfied, emotionally satisfied. Our identity is satisfied in him and he gives us eternal satisfaction. Look at the last verse as we close. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This world longs for eternal life, doesn't it? It fights for free, freedom from pain, free of sorrow, free of suffering. But there is only one way to these wants. Remember when I began with explaining that there is two characters, David and the Lord? And David rightly humbles himself to the Lord? There is another that laid his wants down 2,000 years ago. 
There's another that identified him as, himself as a sheep. There's another that went through the valley of the shadow of death and was lifted up eternally. eternally. There's another that completely filled the calling of a priest, the son of God. There's another that humbled himself even unto death on a cross to save the weak, the sinner, the enemy of God. This God-man became the eternal sacrifice, the lamb that was led to slaughter for the lives of those who believe and want to obey his commands. His name is Jesus. His name is Jesus, and he wants you to humble yourself to him today. Jesus says in Matthew 16, 25, for whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses this life, his life, for my sake, will find it. Are you ready to lose your life today and enter into eternal satisfaction where you can truly say, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. This is why the psalm points to our mission statement as the church. If we fail at making Jesus known, we are missing our calling as heirs and saints. May we find our wants met in Jesus today. You guys can come on up. Jesus called us to remember his sacrifice on the cross through the action of communion. He has called us to remember through the bread and juice that his body was broken for ours, that he died for our sin to renew us eternally. If you have confessed with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart, like believe in the causal core of your personhood, that God raised him from the dead, then come and join communion with us. If you haven't yet confessed Jesus is Lord to your life, I'd ask that you refrain at this point and come and talk afterward. I would love, love, love to have that conversation. So please come find me after. Let me pray. Jesus, I thank you so much for your love. I thank you that you are our chief shepherd. I thank you that you have done all things, that you have satisfied the physical, that you have satisfied the emotional, the spiritual. You have called us sons and daughters and you have or making a place for us eternally. You are truly a good shepherd. Help us live as, as followers of you today, Jesus. Not just today, but the days to come until you return. In Jesus we pray, amen.